reading off of my notes normally because then you think, well, where did he get that from? I want to visually, I want you to see that this is coming from, but today there's just a number of passages, except for the last one. Um, I will read out of the scriptures, but a lot of them I'm just going to follow along in my notes here. We'll bring them up um, just so that you don't have to watch me flipping through my Bible the whole time. So, okay. But I do just want to, to give that clarification. Okay. So let's start here with uh, the thing that we know, um, 1 John 4, 8, when we bring that up here, says this, God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so, and again, we could look at a ton of scriptures on this. Um, we know that. We know that God is love, that he is caring, that he is merciful, that, that he pursues. Um, and so that is true about him. Um, but again, we're going to look at the other side because God just can't love and accept everything that's out there. And just like you and I wouldn't either. Um, you know, the opposite of love is hate. And so if someone harms you, you're not going to just say, well, that's great that you're doing that. You wouldn't do that. That would be uh, weird. Um, so, and so let's look at these next couple passages. The first one is Hosea chapter 9, uh, verse 15, and this is one from the Minor Prophets, and the Minor Prophets were, you know, uh, books written um, when Israel was in its darkest spot. They weren't obeying God. They weren't following Him. They weren't listening to Him. And God was uh, sending His prophets to say, if you, don't, if you don't get back in line, I'm going to have to take steps. And so look what he says here in Hosea 9, verse 15. Every evil of theirs is in Gilgal. And there I began to hate them because of the wickedness of their deeds. I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. And so again, you got to remember here, this is the nation of Israel. And so within the nation of Israel, not everyone believed in God. Okay, just like if you would say today, the church, you know, just because you attend church doesn't mean you put your faith in Christ, right? Um, and so this is a warning to those that, that have not uh, that are not believing and following God. It was, God was, you know, saying to them that, hey, there are limitations here. And so, let's look at another one. Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verses 16 through 19. Here's what he says. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. If you don't like the word hate, you can use the word abomination. Same word. Just a little bit different. So here he lists them out. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and the one who sows discord among brothers. And so God is listing out here the things that he hates. 
that he dislikes sin, that he is against it. He can't be present with it, in a sense. And so he lists them out very clearly. There's another verse, Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Here's what God says. And again, I know the challenge here is we're picking some of these verses out. I'll, I'll maybe give you this list if you want to this week go back and look at them in context. Um, but uh, the book of Amos, here's what God says. He says, verse 21, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So what is God saying here? He's basically saying they were doing the religious thing. They were singing songs. They were, they were having the festivals. But what did God say? God says, your heart wasn't right in them. And so just bringing religious things to me, external things, is not what I'm about. I'm about a heart that is being transformed, a heart that is humble, a heart that recognizes that I am merciful and gracious. And so God was very clear with the nation of Israel. Here's how he, he says it uh, in the book of Isaiah. And again, in prophets, it's like it says the same thing over and over again. And the bottom line is people are people, right? Even though that was 2,700 years ago, 3,000 years ago, People haven't changed a whole lot. We still know how to get by and do our thing. And so Isaiah 1, verses 13, here's what he says. Same type of a thing. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. And again, in the Old Testament, incense, it wasn't, they weren't burning it for smell. Incense in the tabernacle was the image of prayers going up. And so what he's saying here, it's not that they were, they were burning incense. He's basically saying to them um, that your, your prayers are an abomination to me. Why? Because their heart wasn't right. And God was saying, I detest hearts that are in opposition to me. You might try to look good on the outside but inwardly, you're hiding your true colors. But I can see through that. And so God speaks the truth to them. He continues on here. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assemblies. Your new moons and your appointed feast. What does he say? My soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. 
Even though you make many prayers, I won't listen because your hands are full of blood. Some of you are thinking, wow, Steve, this is a pretty, 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 pretty downer message, right? And there's always hope. And so this is part of the, as we, as we look at these, that God is honest with us. At the same time, God is a God of love. He wants us to listen and to obey him and to follow him. And so he goes on. Here's another one. Deuteronomy 12, verse 31. Here's what he says. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in their fire to their gods. And again, God was confronting and saying that there is always a level of depravity and a level of sin, even here, um, the culture, the people were sacrificing their children, thinking that that was a way to honor the Lord. And God was saying, no, I'm a God of light. That is not what I'm about. And so he was telling them what he loves and what is important to him in Deuteronomy. Idolatry is what he's, what he's talking about. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 16. He says it this way, You shall not plant any tree as an Asherah beside the altar of the Lord your God that you shall make. And you shall not set up a pillar which the Lord your God hates. And so what will he be saying? He's, he's saying that I need to be the most important person and there should be nothing, nothing in opposition. Don't plant a tree next to the altar don't make a pillar, a, you know, what was a pillar to do? You know, you go through, you know, the neighborhood here and you see a house with big pillars. It's like, wow, look at that house. So the idea was the same thing in their sacrificing. They, they, would, they would create these beautiful shrines. And God was saying, no, no, I want you to worship me. The focus needs to be on me, the invisible living God of the universe. And so he was saying, don't do that. Because I deserve, I am worthy of your worship. I'm completely worthy. The book of Psalms, we'll look at a couple Psalms here. Psalm chapter 5, verse 46, or 5, verse 4 through 6. For you are not, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. God hates evil. He hates it. Why? Because he is holy. He is completely clean. He is completely right and pure. And so if he is that, then he can't, he can't love sin. It's impossible for him. Psalm 11, verse 5. 
Here's what God says. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. God is against the wicked. He is against violence. He is a caring God. Psalm 97, verse 10. O you who love the Lord, what does he say? Hate evil. To love the Lord means that you will hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Psalm 101, verse 3. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. God loves what is right. What is right? Zechariah, verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 16. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. God is righteous and he loves what is righteous. And he hates what is unrighteous. He is against it. He's against it. Psalm 119. Verse 104, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You might be thinking, man, this sounds a little redundant. God's word is redundant. Why is God's word redundant? Because we're a little thick in the head. And so we need it over and over and over and over again. Another one, Psalm 119, 163. It says that I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. I love your law. Because your law is righteous. It's merciful. It's good. It's beneficial. It gives life. That's what God's law does. But when we say, no, I want to do it my way, that is the way of death. It's the way of death. Hebrews 1, verse 9. And he's quoting here from Psalm 45. But he says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. God loves righteousness. 
and he hates wickedness. There's another one from Revelation chapter 2. Uh, this, I'm pretty sure this is the church of Ephesus. And he says uh, in verse, verse 6, Yet, and he was commending this church. He was commending the church of Ephesus. He says, Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so we don't really know about who these Nicolaitans are. You know, there's all these theories. But the bottom line is they were false teachers. The bottom line is they were not listening and believing the things of God. And so God here is commending them and saying, I'm glad you don't, I'm glad you hate their teaching because so do I. Because they're not teaching uh, the truth. They're not saying what is, what is right. Let's go back to Psalm 139, verse 21 and 22. And here the psalmist, David, is expressing his, his heart to the Lord. He says, do I, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. So what David is saying here is, I don't want to have anything to do with the evil and the wicked. I don't want to be influenced by them. I don't, I don't want to go in their ways. And so he's expressing that uh, to the Lord. Verse, Psalm 25, verse 19. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. So here he's talking about those that are against uh, the Lord. Psalm 35, verse 19. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foe, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. And here, so just seeing some of the verses, those that are, are not following God, what is their true expression too? They don't want God telling them what to do. They want to do their own thing. And so he's expressing that through the Psalms here. Ecclesiastes uh, 3, verse 8, and this is right in the midst of the, 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 you know, talking about the different times and the different seasons in life. What does he say here? There's a time, verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I think what he's expressing in God's wisdom is that we can't just love and accept everyone and everything that is out there because there we live in a spiritual battle evil happens hard things take place and so we can't just say well we'll just love everybody well yeah but no he's saying wisdom is knowing when to love and when to be against Jesus gave some warnings here and, you know, that he kind of said it to his disciples and he says it to us, you know, that if we're going to follow him, then the world is going to treat you the way the world treated me. How did the world treat Jesus? Did they embrace and love him? No. So listen to what he says here. John chapter 15, verse 18. 
If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And so this idea, and we see that in this world, you know, well, we just have to love everyone and everything, and you just let me be me. And, and, and Jesus, there is light and dark. There is right and wrong. And you can't love and accept everything because they're against one another. And that's what God is, expre- that's what God is saying here. John chapter 15 Verses 23 through 25, Jesus says, Whoever hates me hates my Father also. If I, did not, if I had not done among you, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. And he's warning his disciples. If you think following me is going to get you, everybody's going to be cheering and saying, way to go. That is not reality. Because at the heart of this broken world is rebellion is sin. And so Jesus is warning. He's preparing them to say, don't think by following me, you're saying you're going to be hated. This world's going to hate you. They're going to try to shut you up, stop you from talking, be quiet, right? Are we seeing that? We see that in, in our, more and more in our culture? Now, again, I think as, as we're doing this, we're not, we need to be more like God, and so we're going to look at that. You know, how does God respond? You know, does it mean we go around and we start hating everybody? You know, you missed the whole point this morning if that's what you're going to do. Well, the pastor said we could, we're allowed to hate. No, we're to hate sin. We're to hate unrighteousness. We're to hate when things aren't, aren't God's way. That's what we're to hate. That's what God hates. I think this really is for us, more of us as believers and do we minimize our sin? Do we think things like, well, you know what, well, Jesus paid for it, so <laughs> not a big deal. Now, we would probably never say that out loud, but is that the attitude of our heart? And so part of this is, you know, listening and saying, God, do do we, do we have a heart to want to be more like you? John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here's one last one. 1 John 3, 13 through 15. It says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 
And so Jesus is sharing these things to his disciples to be a warning. And that we would not be like this world, but that we would be more like Christ. And again, so the emphasis of Jesus' words, and really the emphasis of the Bible, is what? God's mercy, God's grace, that God offers hope, that we don't have to be on the wrong side of God's judgment, but we have to listen to him. And so what's the What's the, the most famous verse in the Bible for uh, God's love for the world? What is it? Let's go ahead and say it. For Excellent. Way to go. So can anybody quote for me what does John 3.17 say? How about 18? I'll keep going, see if we can go the whole way to the end of the passage. <laughs> but you are, you're good. That's, that's great. That's great. And so I think, and, and again, the point is, we, 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 we love to focus on God's love for the world, and God does love the world. He does. Please don't leave here without hearing that. That is the message that we have. God offers grace. God offers mercy. He offers a 1,873 chances and you can keep adding them on. He doesn't give us what we deserve. If he gave us what we deserve, we wouldn't be even here. Time would not have lasted. Adam and Eve would have been over. God is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. But, to, but he also is a God of truth. And so we cannot think that for a moment well, I'm just going to do it my way, and he'll just accept me. That is not, I mean, that's not fully true. And again, there is a difference here for a believer versus an unbeliever. And so I think Jesus does a great job here, because he is God. And so let me read down through here, because again, this is the hope that we want to end with. This is the hope that, again, this is God's word too. So you quoted John 3.16, John 3.17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Is that what the world deserved? What did the world deserve? Death, condemnation. Did God give the world what the world deserved? No, his mission is eternal life. His mission is grace. His mission is is mercy. In verse 18, I think he puts it, the bottom line, every human being is in one of two places. There's no middle ground with God. Like, there's no gray with him. Now, I understand we might be gray. It might be fuzzy. There's things that we don't understand. I get that. But in relationship to God, you're either in one of two places. We read the, the verse a couple weeks ago. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of of the Son, Jesus Christ. Here's how Jesus says in verse 18, whoever believes in him, who's the him? Christ. 
is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So what is the, what is the, what, biblically, what is the difference maker between condemnation and not condemnation? Jesus, true. Faith. This is where the Bible talks about without faith we can't please God. There's a lot of people that know Jesus died on the cross, but that doesn't mean what are you, what are you trusting in for your sin? What are you believing in? What are you relying in? And so there is a point in time when that happens, but also I think for us as believers, as you sit here this morning, what are you trusting in for the forgiveness of your sins this morning? I'm not asking you to answer that out loud. What, what are you, has it changed since the day you put your faith in Christ that first day? Has it changed? It shouldn't. I am accepted before God because I am trusting, I am covered by Christ, period. That's it. When I stand before God one day, and he says, why should I let, I, mean, I don't know that he's going to do that. We use that phrase all the time. Why should I let you in? Because I am covered by Christ. When you see Steve Cornwell, you don't see my works. You see Christ. His righteousness covers me completely. Not partially, not some, not a little. God doesn't excuse our sin. He covers our, he, he paid for our sin. He dealt with it. And so in a sense, what is Jesus saying here? Verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light, the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light. You know any of those people that love darkness? They don't want anybody telling them. You know what? I'm not that, I never murdered anybody. That's what that sounds like. I never killed anybody. So I had a conversation with a guy in the last couple weeks said it very clear. When I stand before judgment, I'm not really sure, but I know what I'll say. You know, I, I didn't kill anybody. I just listened. That won't matter. The issue will be, what have you done with God's rescue plan? Jesus Christ. Because what you're really saying to God is, you know what? I don't need your remedy. I have my own. That's called arrogance. That's called pride. God doesn't like that at all. And so he makes that very clear here. And he's sharing this, that we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to share the truth. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so what is the work that he's talking about here? Trusting Christ, faith in Christ. It's that simple. We don't have to add things to it. Now, that faith in Christ means I want to pursue God with everything that I have. 
Faith in Christ is what enables us to say, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say things that aren't true. I want to be truthful. I'm willing to do that. I'm going to invite the, uh, the worship team to come up here. and We're going to sing about the love of God because that is, that is the greatest part. God is a loving God.